Welcome to the Let's Break Bread podcast. This is Eli. This is my new. And this season, we will be inviting Christian leaders and teachers to join us to talk about things that matter to many young adult Christians today. We hope these conversations will encourage, challenge, and inspire your faith and your walk with the Lord. We also encourage you to continue these conversations within your local church. You can find us on Instagram at Let's Break Bread. Friends, let's break bread together. Come invited and listen in on gospel-centered conversations. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Let's Break Bread podcast. So today's conversation, we will be talking about singleness and the importance and significance of gospel-centered singleness to Christians. And we do not have a guest today, but my co-host Eli and I will be talking about this. We will just be sharing with you guys um, some of our thoughts on this, and hopefully you still find it helpful and enjoyable. So Eli, I know that we co-host together, but can you just tell the audience or our listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yes. So uh, my name is Eli Bang. Um, I am a recent graduate of Kuiper College in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I am currently pursuing my Master's of Divinity at Calvin Theological Seminary. Um, I'm doing that via distance program because, you know, global pandemic. I've had the ability to be involved with youth ministry and young adult ministry and working with vulnerable populations. I'm currently working at a homeless shelter as a shelter advocate. Um, So a lot of places to wrestle through and pray to God that he will strengthen me and carry me through um, gospel witness. So that's the ministries I've been able to do. I am super glad to be here. So I will ask Eli, and this is a question that we ask all our guests. Tim Keller's quote, uh, you are more sinful than you ever thought you were, and you were more loved than you ever dreamed you could be. And with that, when was the gospel first good news to you, and how is it still today? Yes, so I think the earliest time I can remember and recall when I was like, oh shoot, God loves me, was definitely um, when my paternal grandmother passed away, and there was just so much mourning. And there was so much like distress that, you know, mourning does things to people, right? And there was just so much of it. And I remember like the pastor came and he preached. And I think this is the first time I actually paid attention. I was 10 years old, I guess, because this was my grandmother's funeral. So it was pertaining to like my family. So I actually paid attention. And he was saying how there is hope for us as Christians, you know, so our deaths are not hopeless, even though death is not part of God's intentional design there is hope for those who believe in Jesus, in Jesus' name, you know, that we are with him after our death. We are with him in his presence. And I think that's when it clicked that I was like, oh, shoot, God loves us so much that even though our current predicament is not the way he designed it to be, he instilled a possibility for us to have something rightly with him. And I think that was when I first started um, to turn the gears of saying like who is this Jesus that death which we were always taught is a natural part of life it's not has nothing on him you know has no grasp on him um, and that he's able to offer something great uh, beyond it for me most recently I think we're definitely um, navigating a pandemic so crazily and the manner in which God is just preserving his church like on a global scale he's always been doing that but I think more on a local scale something I've had to wrestle with is to see how God is still preserving his church, his people, you know, Mm -hmm. even though we're operating at half quarter capacity, people still come to church. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, people still attend live streams. Uh, people mm-hmm. are still attending, and they're still uh, worshiping. And and God is still working through this. You know, it, it'd be mm-hmm. really easy to fall into dismay because I did back in like June. <laughs> just be like, this is all worth like nothing. Is good. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Um, like surely this is the end of times. And then realizing that yeah, like the world very well is ending. That is what the Bible tells us. It's coming to a close. Uh, so go to work. Uh, be faithful to God. The world's ending. Go to work. Do your job. And God is working here. And that's been very helpful, but also very hopeful and hope filling for me and my family. Thank you for sharing that. All right. And then before we move forward with this conversation, we just want to say that this topic is not to devalue marriage in any way shape or form singleness and marriage can coexist especially in the body of christ Um, we just want to make that very clear we love marriage we love married people we are for marriage but this yes yes, so this particular subject we just want to make that disclaimer out there Mm -hmm. when did you start thinking about gospel-centered singleness and what is it right so when did i start thinking about and actually i was in high school and my grandma's friend, she came over and they were having a conversation and I was not eavesdropping. This is just our house. And I just listened, I just heard it. Right. And she had shared with my grandma that she didn't really like coming to church. She didn't feel like she could come to our home church. And my grandma was like, why? Like, why not? Is it because you're doubting your faith? Like, are you having doubts? It's like, no, I'm not doubting my faith at all. I know who God is. I know what he's brought me out of, but I'm a single woman, mm-hmm. you know? And there are, and I've heard that there are suspicions about me that I'm just here to, you know, essentially like steal someone's husband because mm-hmm. I'm a single woman. And she's like, no, I'm here because I love God, because God has called me here. That was when I first started to really think, oh, there has to be something more for people um, in this life with Jesus thing than just coming to church, be married. Because this is a faithful woman. She does love God. She does serve Mm -hmm. the church. Mm -hmm. And here are people who think that she's here for ulterior and alternative purposes. You know, she had just gotten out of a really bad divorce, you know, from a really abusive husband. Like the picturesque dictionary example of what marriage should not look like. And she just got out of it. And she's fully embracing this this call to faith thing. And people are like, oh, we're suspicious of her. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's when I first started to have this conversation. Since then, I've been asking, talking to people, reading books, praying, discerning, what might this look like and why is this important, right? So I would say gospel-centered singleness is, first off, it's being saved by the grace of God through faith, uh, loving him, being sanctified by the work of the Holy Spirit, and equipped to serve, edify, build the body of Christ as a witness to the supremacy and sufficiency of the gospel in soul devotion to Christ while being single, you know, as a not married person, you know, and I think that this is such an important conversation for us to have because this conversation, as I realized, is not just for like the young 20-somethings, right, you know, right. but, but it's about people who were married but are now divorced due to really bad circumstances mm-hmm. and people whose spouses have died. And if we have this narrative that tells us that marriage and sex are like your ultimate goal and that your season of singleness, I hate that season, like your singleness. I know, time, right? <laughs> it's like, it's like, wow. it's like your sing- season of singleness is a time for you to prepare and pray and be like self-actualized for the next chapter, which is marriage. What happens after? My grandma has passed away for two years now. 
and mm-hmm. my grandfather is single. He is like 65, 70 years old. What is he preparing for? Mm-hmm. You know, he has mm-hmm. served the church majority of his life faithfully in Laos as a refugee in Thailand, as a person who came to America as a refugee. Mm-hmm. He started like the church here. You can't say that he's waiting for God to prepare him for something else because he's been faithful to God, mm-hmm. you know? So we had to revision, not revision, we had to revisit this conversation about singleness and really see what the Bible has to say because then it helps us understand this conversation and it helps us also understand marriage and sex because mm-hmm. our understanding and misunderstanding of singleness is framed by our misunderstanding and understanding of what marriage and sex is. So for example, like some myths about marriage is that in marriage, this is your goal, mm-hmm. that God has made someone for you, um, that you are purposed for this, that sex is like the best and most deepest way to know somebody, the most intimate thing you could do with someone. And if those are the stories and narratives we're preaching and teaching to people, which are actually more shaped by the world than they are by God, we create for ourselves a dilemma for people who are not married, because now we'll now you're lonely and you're unlovable and you're by yourself, <laughs> you know, it's like, and that's, and that's not true. That's not biblical at all. You, you cannot say that um, you can, but you shouldn't say it because it's not helpful to the church body. It's not helpful to people. And it's not even, mar- it's not even helpful to married people either. Mm-hmm. So moving forward, what are some myths of singleness that we should debunk first? Yes. Right, let's debunk all the myths. There's gonna be can't debunk all them. So here's just some some that I really like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so first off, there's a myth that says that singleness is a sign of selfishness, of immaturity, and that it's focused on self-actualization. Like this is just one that goes together, mm-hmm. right? Um, they'd be like, oh, you know, you're single because you're selfish or you're immature, or this is a time where you're just working on yourself. Is it true that while you're single, there is a capacity for you, for me? to live very selfishly yeah there is I could just say like you know forget everything I'm gonna do what I want I'm gonna you know travel all the places spend money for myself do what I wish stay up all night take a two-hour bow bath all this stuff and work on my best life I can do that like that is a capacity that I have but we have to understand that that capacity for selfishness is also very real in the marriage context, how many married people and spouses try to gain their value and meaning from their spouse, mm-hmm. you know, who try to take and fulfill every single relational need in their husband or wife mm-hmm. and end up destroying their husband or wife? How many married people try to live vicariously through their children and try to actually make their children give them the, the relational support that other adults, their friends should be giving them? Mm -hmm. so the capacity Mm -hmm. for selfishness is very real and and very readily available in every station of life it just looks different and we're more willing to point to one thing because we just presuppose that if you're in one place you're mature and the other Mm -hmm. one you're not I won't say that God cannot use marriage to sanctify and mature people he does I know a lot of people who were super immature got married And within that first year, became like completely different people. Mm -hmm. And I praise God for it. I also know people who are married and it's like watching two kids just deal with each other, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's just like, this is not (laughs) good. We can't do that. That's, this myth is is wrong. Another one is that singleness is terrible, lonely, and loveless. 
right mm-hmm. it's not like it's not like it doesn't have to be you know mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. and I think this assumption stems very truly from this fear of living life where we're not loved not known not seen and disconnected from people and this is a very real and intrinsic fear from us that is part of us being creatures and a part of us actually witnessing to who God is right because Mm -hmm. God as triune is community he is fellowship and we were made in that image you know when God looked at Adam and he said you know it's not good for Adam to be alone he's not Mm -hmm. just saying oh it's not good for Adam male man dude to be not married you know he's saying it's not good for Adam man guy dude to be isolated, you know, to have no one else like him, to have no one else similar. Because at this point, Adam is the only human, um, if you take Adam as a historical figure, I do. Mm-hmm. And so Eve comes in, yes, she fulfills the marital spousal place. But before that, before they actually like get married and become husband and wife, she, she fulfills the companionate mm. part. God makes Adam a friend you know, before he makes him a wife. Mm -hmm. And that's important for us to understand that this need for us to have people is real. And so Mm -hmm. this fear of not having anyone is real. And it's a good fear Mm -hmm. for us to Mm -hmm. have. Um, And so is singleness terrible, lonely, and loveless? It can be. But marriages can be terrible, lonely, and loveless too. Mm -hmm. You know, I've seen way too many lonely marriages. I've seen way too many lonely single people. To say that this is only one is like, only partially true but it doesn't capture the whole picture you know and we have to understand where this fear comes from Mm -hmm. um and and to not use that fear as some kind of reason and rationale for us to jump into marriages because or some kind of dating relationship yeah um so yeah there's that yeah I just want to add on to that I have had people ask me are you lonely which is Mm. like so weird to me because yeah I have never like have people so many people like different people to ask me that question before Mm -hmm. and when I first was asked that question I was like no I've had very distinct moments where I have felt lonely but it wasn't because I wasn't in a romantic relationship Mm -hmm. it was because of other sources in my life that just made me feel like really crappy about myself you know Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times when you're single you're alone and people associate being alone with loneliness yeah. which a lot of times they go hand in hand, but they don't either. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's yeah. So and true. so it's just, it's just been like so interesting to me that we automatically think that if somebody is single, then they are lonely, but then there are so many lonely people in romantic relationships, you know? Mm-hmm. People will say like, don't you want to have a girlfriend? I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, like, I wouldn't mind. I think I'd be a great boyfriend. You know, <laughs> yeah, um, I would be, I would be phenomenal. Um, but you know, it'd be like, don't you want one? Like, don't you feel lonely? I'm like, no, I don't feel. <laughs> yeah, lonely. yeah, yeah. You know, I don't yeah. feel. I mean, have I felt lonely? Yes, I felt this way before. But for me, like when I feel lonely, it's not a result of me not being romantically involved. Right, right, right. It's mm-hmm. it's a result of me feeling as though I'm in a space with people who do not understand me, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, or honor where I am that's when Mm -hmm. I feel the most lonely it's Mm -hmm. not when I'm by myself it's when I'm with people and they look at me and I know they don't see me Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. um 
that's when I feel lonely and I'm just like this is not a part about being single this is just about me being a person <laughs> you know like, this is just <laughs> yeah. me being a person and not being understood um yeah so definitely like singleness it's not terrible it's not lonely and it's not loveless it doesn't have to be that way mm-hmm. um it can be but it's, it's not the narrative that it must fall into mm-hmm. like I said before we must understand singleness because we fought into lies and myths about marriage and sex that is shaped by the world you know like just want to reiterate like that marriage is not the goal of christian life you mm-hmm. know it is not biblical to say that god has made you a soulmate that's actually really pagan language we can say that god calls people to marriage because that's true we can say that god loves marriage because that is true you mm-hmm. know the bible has some really great and powerful things to say about marriage but it also has like really realistic things to say about marriage, you know, like um, in Ephesians 5, like Paul's like, hey, yo, like marriage is the way where people get to metaphor the relationship we get to have with God presently mm-hmm. and the relationship we will have in glorification at the end of time, mm-hmm. you know, and that's huge. Like mm-hmm. that's giant. It's not even about you like being romantic in love. It's like saying like your relationship, if you're a Christian, is to say something about who God is. Yeah. You know? yeah. And then on like, at the same time, he's also like, by the way, there are some issues that come with it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know? And that's why he says to single people like, hey, by the way, like if you don't want to have to do with these things, um, just don't get married. Mm-hmm. Um, so marriage is not the end goal of Christian life. What is our end goal? Our end goal is to love God. It's mm-hmm. to know God. It's to, mm-hmm. to enjoy him forever. Uh, we were made as creatures to worship God, to walk with him. And we get to revel in knowing who and whose we are. Mm-hmm. And I know for some people that like, that's it. But like, no, like that, like that's it. Like that's awesome. You know, that mm-hmm. is the it. That is the awesome part because that is eternal. That's our purpose, right? Like mm-hmm. this is really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then the also part is to to say like, you know, sex and intimacy is not synonymous. You can have, the Bible tells us, you can have a lot of sex and you can have no intimacy. You can have Mm -hmm. a lot of intimacy and have no sex. Mm -hmm. You know, I I think of David, David in the Bible, he had a lot of wives, like he had a lot of sex too. But when his friend Jonathan dies, he says to him, and this is a paraphrase. So (laughs) he says to Jonathan, like, your love meant more to me than all the love of women. Mm -hmm. You know, and people are like, oh, that's because they're gay like no like that's not the conversation we're gonna have are there gay people in history yes but that's not the conversation they're having right we know that in the bible it never tells us that he was ever sexually in love with david but with jonathan but what does it tell us about jonathan his friendship and their relationship and that it was holy that they Mm -hmm. knew each other that they knew each Mm -hmm. other with their souls and hearts Mm -hmm. and so it's saying here it shows us yeah you can have a lot of intimacy without ever having sex Mm -hmm. And you can have a lot of sex, but no, no intimacy, never be known, never be seen at mm-hmm. all, mm-hmm. you know? And so the Bible speaks very clearly against that. Uh, we see that in Jesus. Jesus was a single dude, but he had a lot of really good intimacy with his deep friends, you know, yeah. with the 12 and then within the 12, you know, the three and yeah. then within them, within that one, with the one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, with Mary, Martha and Lazarus. And all these people. And so we mm-hmm. see that Jesus has this breadth and depth of relationship and intimacy that has nothing to do with sex. Mm-hmm. So if we're going to buy into any narrative for marriage and sex and singleness and what it means to be intimate, we got to do it from the Bible. Um, and also just experientially. 
Mm-hmm. Like I've had a lot of really great friends who, who I know understand my heart and soul, mm-hmm. you know, and we and that's intimate. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's wonderful and beautiful. And we are thankful for that because God gives us this, you know? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like we live in a place where it's just so suspicious. We, we want to see sex and everything, you know, like every, like even TV shows about like teenagers, like they're all having sex. I'm like, what the heck? Like what's going on? <laughs> you know? And then like, we just presuppose that anytime people get close, there has to be some kind of weird tension, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, that's not true. And that's not true at all. It's not experientially true. It's not biblically true. It doesn't stand up to anything. And we have to step away from that. We have to, I think as Christians, that's something we have to repent of. We have to repent of our assumptions because that's not, it's not good to assume mm-hmm. that. And then I think also just one more thing to add to this for mm-hmm. the debunking portion is that I think the reason why we look down on singleness a lot of times, or at least are afraid of it, is because we tend to compare the really great times and parts of marriage with the really low parts of singleness, mm-hmm. you know? Like, mm-hmm. yes, like sometimes as a single person, I eat meals by myself. Mm-hmm. And that can be kind of lonely. It's more fun to eat with people, you know? Yeah. Um, and if we compare that to like the really great, awesome parts of married life, but then we seldom look at it and say, but what about my ability as a single person to drop everything when a friend needs me, mm-hmm. you know, that married people can't because chances are you've got another person, another person's emotional baggage probably. Mm-hmm. And then if you have kids, you have kids too. So you can't do that. My just readiness and availability as a single person mm-hmm. to devote my time, not only to the church in precedence, but to my friends is something we don't take into account. Um, also, I don't have to deal with the issues that married people have. I've seen parents who have been heartbroken when their kids walk away from the faith. I don't have kids. I don't necessarily have to deal with that. I'm discipling children, so I had to deal with a form of it, mm-hmm. but never on the same kind of arena. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's the part. Like, I think that if we're, we should never compare, and if we end, end up finding ourselves compare, be watchful of the, what, of the things that we're comparing, because mm-hmm. they have to be comparable if we're going to do it right and do it well. Mm-hmm. So what does the Bible say about singleness? Right. So let's look at the Bible because I love looking at the Bible. First off, we have to see how Jesus enters this conversation, right? Um, in the Old Testament, we definitely do see that singleness is not ideal. Everyone got married, basically, that we know of, you know, um, except for certain people like Isaiah never got married, but he was a prophet and that was for a purpose, right? But overarchingly, the narrative of the Old Testament is that children and marriage is a blessing and it is. Mm-hmm. Children in marriage are meant for us to have for a good reason. And in the New Testament, we see that Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7, he's saying that being single is actually a very good thing. You know, he actually encourages people. He's like, yo, if I could have my way, you all be like me. We all be single. And he says to the people who are already single and to the people who are widowed, he says, stay single. He encourages mm-hmm. them to stay that way. So that calls us to look at him and says, okay, Paul, what are you saying? Because you just told us some really great things about marriage, like in Ephesians, right? <laughs> and now you're saying that we should be married, like single, like what's going on? Um, but he says, but why is it good? He said, it's very good because it allows us to be singularly devoted to God. We can use our time. We have more time, essentially, mm-hmm. like, metaphorically we have more time to spend in the edification of church of building and making disciples 
and using our gifts for the sake of the kingdom. And like I said before, and we avoid earthly problems associated with marriage. Um, and then Jesus, let's just look at the example of Jesus. You know, like I said, he wasn't married. He lived intentionally. And he says in Matthew 19, 11 to 12, that singleness, you know, or more like he, he uses the word eunuchs, but essentially eunuchs were also single. You know, they were, they can be a very good thing for the kingdom of heaven, you know, for the kingdom's work, for the kingdom's mm -hmm. witness. These are people who can choose to be this way, who never married, mm -hmm. never had children. And this is good. And then you look at all of his disciples, every single one, I think, except for Peter, because I think he's the one who was married. If, if not, we'll correct it later, you know, but every single one of his disciples remained single, mm -hmm. you know, and these are people who walked with God, ate with God, drank with God, spent days and nights with God, mm -hmm. you know, and Jesus is single. And I want to reiterate, Jesus was single. And why is that important for us to remember? Because if we say that marriage and sex are intrinsic to what it means to be fully human, we end up saying that Jesus is subpar. Mm. You know, if you tell me that marriage is an indicator that I'm a fully mature Christian, we end up saying that Jesus is not. Jesus, who is God, who is also incarnate man, is the most fully human of what it means to be human in its created intention and purpose to mm -hmm. ever, 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 ever be. And if we buy into, as we, as in we as Christians, if we buy into this narrative that says marriage is your end goal, sex is the best form of intimacy you could ever know, we're saying Jesus is subpar. Mm -hmm. And I refuse to say that about God, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Theologically, it's bad <laughs> to say that. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's the part where you say, take Jesus for his example. Mm -hmm. And we can say, well, maybe Jesus just didn't have time. Jesus came here to example the best way of living, the most full way of living. I'm pretty sure if marriage was truly the end goal of what it means to be human, he would have done it. Mm -hmm. Because what was his focus? He came to say, you know, your end goal is God. Faith yeah. to God. So I think those, those are just some parts where I will like leave us with talking about the Bible with singleness because I can mm -hmm. really go on further, but I would love to encourage people just to like dig and dig on their own <laughs> into mm -hmm. resources as to mm -hmm. not expect this to be like a comprehensive conversation. Like now this is, yeah. like, this is a place where like, let's start the groundwork for this conversation yeah. because it's, yeah. even for me, like this has been like a four year going intentional conversation mm, right? mm -hmm. and some days I'm like yeah I am single for life and there are some days I'm like I'm single right now <laughs> <You know? laughs> or like yeah, yeah. oh gosh I don't want to be married and like oh wait but you know being married be really cool and having a little mini me running around be really sweet and then I go home and then my 13 year old brother's there I'm like you know what never mind I don't <laughs> you know um uh -huh. But yeah, that's important. And I just, oh, real, real quick, because I want to stress this one too, is to say, we have the whole place for single people to wrestle with, with those kind mm, of thoughts. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. Because that's okay. It, it's okay yeah. for people to be like, I'm single and I don't want to be married. Awesome. And there are yep. people who are single and don't want to ever be married. And that's also really okay. Mm -hmm. um, did I say the same thing twice, actually? I don't know, but I think I know what you meant, like single, but want to be married and then single and never want to be married. Yeah, so... Those are those um, some things that the Bible says about singleness that we have to be really intentional about understanding. And I think I just want to look at Paul as an illustration for, for meaningful and gospel-centered singleness because mm -hmm. you see that just to point to the whole like singleness is lonely and loveless, 
you see that Paul is never alone. Like if you read your Bible and you notice that Paul always has friends with him. Mm-hmm. He's always like greetings from this person and this person and this person. And then he goes to his theology portion or he mm-hmm. says, hey, actually send my greetings to this person, this person, this person. Because mm-hmm. those are my friends and mm-hmm. they have helped me a lot in this. And I spent time with them. So I mm-hmm. want to put like a shout out to them. Right. And we notice that Paul as a single person, he's mm-hmm. not by himself. He's building. He has built intentional relationships. I think that's really important for mm-hmm. us. So what is the purpose of singleness and marriage? Right. So it's super important for us to think about like what their purposes are. Because why? So that we understand how to live singleness well and how Mm -hmm. to live marriage well. Because I think a lot of times what makes people think that singleness is bad is because we've seen singleness lived really poorly, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, which is really weird that we never say that marriage is bad because we've seen a lot of marriage lived poorly too but either way we are not going to follow those that that train of thought we're going to say let us present a gospel-centered way to think about marriage and mm-hmm. its purpose so let's mm-hmm. start with marriage um mm-hmm. i love marriage if you're married listen up or if you want to be married listen up um, or if you're not married listen up because marriage is important for the whole church right these two mm-hmm. things work in tandem together we can't have one not the other so marriage is not about two people being in love You know, it's not about attraction. It's not about man spouse and woman spouse being head over heels, super in love. It's about God. Mm -hmm. You know, you who being in love and loving your spouse is important. Mm -hmm. It is a very important part of marriage. But what Mm -hmm. I have to say and what the Bible has to say is that that's not the end. That's not the ultimate thing. The ultimate thing is that your marriage is is supposed to point to the love and relationship we have and will have in Jesus Christ mm-hmm. and that it models the covenant promise that God has made to us, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And that's the point of your marriage. So it's not just mm-hmm. you and your spouse being like, I love you, you love me, we got our kids and now we're by ourselves, you know, fighting mm-hmm. on the home range. It's saying, hey, if you and me and in the way that we love each other exclusively in the depth of it, right? Mm-hmm. In our romantic, even sexual intimacy, this is to only each other mm-hmm. in the way that we disciple our children if we have children. Mm-hmm. And the way we disciple people who are not our immediate blood family and we mm-hmm. are involved in the church. You know, married people do not get a ticket to not be involved in church ministry. Okay, that's mm-hmm. important. You don't get that freebie. <laughs> I've heard a lot of people like, oh, I got kids. Like, well, okay, bring your kid too. Like, I don't care. Like, <laughs> like you yeah, don't yeah. get a freebie. Sorry. Um, because we need married people in the church mm-hmm. to be involved with God, right? So mm-hmm. what does it say? It says, hey, your marriage is to say something about God remember Mm -hmm. that and for singleness is also how do we live into this portion of purposeful singleness right it's not about me having the flashiest car or the best trips or Mm -hmm. me being at the best instagram of traveling you Mm -hmm. know or i say traveling because that's one thing i want to do i want to travel so like yeah 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 (laughs) say me too (laughs) right it's like so this makes sense to me like you can look at me all the places i want to be like but it's not about that right right if i want to i could live that way um, and being gospel-centered Christian who is single, I can also enjoy these things, but that's not mm-hmm. my ultimate thing. Right. My ultimate thing is that I'm supposed to point to the sufficiency and supremacy of the gospel in the way that I'm devoted solely to Jesus. And as I edify the church, you know, mm-hmm. as I'm involved in church ministry, 
as I'm building up Christians and making disciples and teaching disciples, right? And mm-hmm. so marriage is saying, we will have this really great, awesome marital relationship with Jesus. This is what new creation is going to have us be like when we live face to face. It's really these two really different things coming together in beautiful mm-hmm. union, right? Mm-hmm. And single people are saying, I, in my devotion to the church, mm-hmm show that this is sufficient the sufficiency mm-hmm. of the gospel for me mm-hmm. um and for every single person and mm-hmm. that's huge so yeah that's what it is but mm-hmm. that doesn't mean it's easy doesn't mean mm-hmm. it's not doesn't get hard at mm-hmm. times right mm-hmm. like I think one me like for me like being a single home person is that people like marriage is such a big part of our culture for like honestly survival purposes you know mm-hmm. <laughs> we were agricultural people um mm-hmm. so it's like having children and having a wife is very important mm-hmm. because how can you eat but like I said we have to understand that marriage is not the end-all be-all mm-hmm. uh, just as singleness is not the end-all be-all mm-hmm. um, these earthly singleness and earthly marriage anything on this side of heaven is temporary you know it will fall away it will be no longer needed uh, when Jesus returns Mm -hmm. because when Jesus returns we have him in fullness so the ultimate thing is that we are married to Christ and I think that's the best thing Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so continuing that conversation um, how do we live life as gospel-centered single people or a single person so first off you should you should definitely be saved by Jesus. Um, that's like the prerequisite. Like you can't live gospel centered unless you are in Christ first off. Mm-hmm. I feel like that should be obvious, but I have to say like, because this is a very distinctly Christian and gospel mm-hmm. thing, mm-hmm. right? So single people who are not Christian, they might very well do very good things. They might mm-hmm. not be selfish. They might be mm-hmm. very communal as well. But the thing that sets us apart is that we are saved by God. Mm-hmm. You know, we are saved by grace through faith mm-hmm. um, and then repurposed for good things. Mm-hmm. Um, so then with that, as the, pre- that's the premise, you know, mm-hmm. what, what can we look at like tangibly, right? Um, mm-hmm. Let's say first off, like definitely devotion to God and his church, right? Mm-hmm. So what does that mean? It means that you're involved in church ministry of some kind. Mm-hmm. Um, you, are, you are in love with your local church. You're helping it. Um, and you're discipling it. Granted, it looks really different in a pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but this is like to say like outside of a pandemic, when this will happen, look at your home church, look at the needs that are presented and ask yourself the question, where can I plug in? Mm-hmm. You know, where can I use my gifts? And then also right now in a pandemic, ask that same question, mm-hmm. you know, what are some needs that my church community has mm-hmm. and how can I plug in? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, sure. Youth group isn't really like, I use youth group because that's the easiest one. Like that comes to my head. Like, okay, youth group isn't really a thing right now, but I know that there is still great spiritual need for uh, mentors amongst young people. Mm-hmm. How can I plug in? Mm-hmm. you know like mm-hmm. even if it has to look different I could write letters to youth kids I could mm-hmm. you know meet them outside their house and we stand they stand their front door I stand the, the sidewalk whatever we just like talk I don't know mm-hmm. um, it's about us being creative in mm-hmm. our devotion to God but what is most important is that what the, the first indicator is that you are devoted to God and that you are mm-hmm. 
you know, for the sake of the of the of the kingdom of heaven, you know, that you are mm-hmm. devoting your time, energy, talents, and skills to this. Second, community and meaningful relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, we were never meant to do this alone. We don't want to do this alone. We don't have to do it alone. Mm-hmm. Um, look at Paul, look at Jesus. They were never they were they were they might have been alone as in like by themselves but they yeah. were never isolated they were never mm-hmm. without relationship they were never mm-hmm. without people to love and be loved by mm-hmm. and i think i take that as a very clear example for people who want to have a gospel centered singleness to navigate the relational need and mm-hmm. arena of life mm-hmm. um, also celibacy People are like, oh, celibacy. Like, basically, that means just don't have sex. Uh, but, like, like, but, but like here, but why do I say like, just don't have sex? But like, it's not like, just don't do it. But it's rather to say, hey, sex is meant for a holy and wonderful thing mm-hmm. that is only holy and wonderful and beautiful as it is purposed within the marriage context of one man and one woman. Mm-hmm. And a part of me witnessing to that is that I don't take it out of it. Mm-hmm. Of, of its context mm-hmm. and this is not to say that sexual temptation isn't real or isn't hard like it is but for me I would say like I'm not married I have no business doing that I love mm-hmm. my God too much to to desecrate something that says something about him so mm-hmm. like if you have issues with um sexual temptation because there are people who do and there are people who mm-hmm. don't and so if you are finding yourself to who you are find yourself meaningful friends and community um, to pray with and be honest and be seen and mm-hmm. to pray with you through this concern because this is a part of what it means when you sign up mm-hmm. to to love God, you mm-hmm. know, uh, you will obey him. And then deep intimacy with God and friends. Um, a part of the intimacy factor is to know and love God, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, to be in his word, to be with him in thought in all things. And then, like I said, make friends <laughs> you know it's super important to to, to make friends um, mm-hmm. as single people and I think that the different nuances of that is really good mm-hmm. because where we get as single people we get to have a breadth of friendships um, mm-hmm. that a lot of single a lot of married people don't really get to have that and we get to have a, a different kind of intimacy that mm-hmm. some people don't and I think these are all still good and we can't compare them at all um, married people you still need friends and I think that's going to be our conversation for friendship. But I just want to say, everyone needs friends. Like everybody <laughs> needs friends. Okay. Yeah. Like you need more than one person in your life to speak, to speak gospel truth to, mm-hmm. and to enjoy just the fun parts of life together and the yeah, hard yeah. parts of life. You need people. So that's yeah. what I would say. I think a surface level um, mm-hmm. thing, even though they're actually really challenging. That's a surface level part yeah, of what yeah. you can start doing tangibly. Here it is. Yeah. Um, back to like a myth is that mm-hmm. this is a gift right? Mm-hmm. This is not a gift in the same way that preaching and teaching and hospitality is, mm-hmm. or in the same way as piano and music um, mm-hmm. and, and athletics is. No, this is not that kind of gift. Mm-hmm. It is a gift for gospel witness. Mm-hmm. It is a station of life that you're in. And so what does that mean? It means if you're not particularly good at it, that doesn't mean this isn't where you're meant to be. I think that's what we have to think. Like A lot of times we have this conversation that says, oh, you know, singleness is a gift. They have the gift of singleness. They're particularly good at it. Mm. And why do we say that? Because we understand that 
because we have a narrative that says singleness is really bad, it's hard, it's terrible, it's mm -hmm. lonely. And so someone needs a very supernatural gift in order to do it, right? Like, no, that's not true. Just like how marriage is a really great thing, but you don't need mm -hmm. a supernatural gift to do it because mm -hmm. what do we end up doing when we say that is to say the moment something gets hard, the moment something gets difficult, when we are pressed and challenged and want to cry, mm -hmm. it is a sign that that's not where we're meant to be. And that's mm -hmm. not true. You know, that's why people divorce because they're like, oh, marriage is too hard. This is not where I'm meant to be. Oh, mm -hmm. you're not the person I want to love. You're not my soulmate. Mm -hmm. um, you're not who I'm meant to be married to because you're actually really difficult. Mm -hmm. Like, no, this is a full person. Of course they're difficult, you yeah. know, or, oh, I hate being by myself. Being single is not where I'm supposed to be. Like, no, this is not necessarily true. Mm -hmm. um, if you want to know if you're called to be single or not, look at your life today. You know, mm -hmm. if you want to know whether you're married or single or not, this is where you are today and just go mm -hmm. with it, you know, yeah. and enjoy it as you go. And there are people who can articulate that way better. And I will definitely have to reference them later. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. I just want to talk about like people that we know that are single. Mm -hmm. And one of the Hmong women who has been single her entire life is Dain Tua, right? Yeah. When we look at the way her life continually point to Christ and the way even now in her like much much older age she still continually preaches and you know she continuously serve and like proclaims the gospel and I think that ties up everything you said about like our whole point and our whole purpose is God you know yeah it's true yeah. um so yeah that's what I would say for living as a gospel-centered person so how do you think we can start having this conversation um, about gospel-centered singleness in a church context and specifically in a Hmong church context? Um, first off, I think is you have to, not just you, sorry, like we collectively. You, you, yeah, like collectively. You all, we all, collective friend language. We have to, we have to identify and name our idols. Mm-hmm. We had to identify the ways in which we have bought into lies and what we have said uh, that these are ultimate things. Like, for example, marriage is not a bad thing. Sex is mm -hmm. not a bad thing. But they become bad things when we turn into ultimate things, right? Mm -hmm. That's idolatry. When we put them mm -hmm. on the seat of God and it's to identify those things and say, yes, this is good, but this does not belong here. Um, so that's, I think that's where we can start by naming and identifying and naming our idols and then doing the hard work of reevaluating what we know of who God is to be, what, what our faith is saying, oh, this ain't it. Going back to God, going back to the gospel, going back to the word of God, being formed and reformed there in our idea of what singleness is, of what marriage is. Coming back and then sharing that, being like, hey, so we were wrong about this. Um, and this is what we like to represent mm -hmm. to us um, because what we had to have space. We had to have space mm -hmm. for all kinds of people um, mm -hmm. because, and here's, and this is definitely for a different conversation, but why is it important for us to revision, like revisit our understanding of, of marriage? It's because if we say that everyone is meant to be married, we find ourselves at a standstill when someone who is gay or same sex attracted, mm -hmm. um, whatever the vocabulary is that they want to use, comes in and says, you told me I was meant for marriage and this is the kind of marriage I think I am best for. Mm. Oh, shoot. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, oh, what do we do? I know people who are in mixed orientation marriages, you know, someone mm -hmm. who stays attracted and someone who's not and they're married and they love each other and it's for gospel witness. Mm 
I also know people who are, you know, same-sex attracted, gay, um, whatever vocabulary insert they want to use, who love God, devote themselves to Jesus, to the mm-hmm. church, to making and building and teaching disciples. Mm-hmm. And we need to have space and room for these faithful people who love God to be embraced in our communities. Mm-hmm. You know? So I think that's kind of how we had to have the conversation within a grander church context. So identify mm-hmm. your identify name your idols repent of them revisit the bible um you know be formed by the bible for this perspective and then for a Hmong context i think it's the same but also saying you not being married doesn't have anything to do with your worth as a person yeah you know it's okay for you not to be married it's okay for you not to want to be married and i think that the nuances of Hmong communities is that it's a family factor Mm-hmm. Right? like oh what are you gonna do without family mm-hmm. but as the bible teaches us we're one body we are family and mm-hmm. i think that for christians who are really that worried about family jesus has a promise for us and i think this is the promise that we forget about a lot and i think we do it kind of on purpose because it requires us to do something about it right jesus says um this is and was it mark or matthew anyways this is when the rich young man fails to give everything away and follow jesus right Mm -hmm. and then jesus responds to something snarky that that peter says like hey look we gave up everything to follow you um Mm -hmm. aren't you glad like haha aren't we great um and jesus is like actually i'm gonna tell you something like anyone who loses this is a paraphrase rough paraphrase friend family whatever for Mm -hmm. my sake will gain it now Mm. you know and that's a, that's a present factor. And so Jesus is saying, he, he, Jesus assumes that one of the most precious things anyone could lose for Jesus' name is going to be your friends and family. Mm-hmm. And that's the case, right? People who love God oftentimes lose their families because their families don't love God. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus promises to us, he promises that says, if you lose your family, the church will be your new family. If you lose your friends, you will find friends in the body of Jesus, of, of, of my body, my bride. Mm-hmm. And so that means you and me and people mm-hmm. who are Christian, mm-hmm. we're those promised people, mm-hmm. you know, like, oh, shoot, what? Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's like, uh, I just got voluntold, you know, it's just like, but it's true. It's to say, if you're really worried about losing friends and family, if you're worried about never having friends and family, people who will love you deeply know that God has promised you people mm-hmm. and church people know that you've been promised to be mm-hmm. that person, to mm-hmm. be those people. And, and if we're not living into that, we're calling Jesus a liar because that promise is a part of us. We are a part mm-hmm. of that promise of those, of, of keeping that promise as well. So I think that's kind of where we can start to have that conversation and it's slow and you will have a lot of pushback. I get pushback like every other week when I talk about it at home. <laughs> because and it's new you know yeah. it's, a, it's a new conversation for more people to have it is um, it is when marriage has been everything you know and I, I think like you said like as for for women you know your entire you know identity is like oh when you become Anya or someone's yeah. daughter-in-law yeah yeah and even as a yeah and even as a single woman like my identity is still under my parents yeah mm-hmm. you know and and that's like a whole nother a whole nother conversation. No, a whole nother <laughs> yeah. episode. Yes, <laughs> but yeah. We have a cultural script surrounding people mm-hmm. and what your life is and where your meaning comes from. Like I said, we have to identify that idol, identify mm-hmm. that lie, mm-hmm. see it shaped and thrown out 
by Jesus. And then we can have these conversations. Like, I think the first, the preliminary conversation is really, what are our idols? Yeah. What are, and what are the good things that are our idols? And how do we hold them where God really wants them? Mm-hmm. And then we can be like, all right, now let's talk about what it means to not be married, to be mm-hmm. single, to mm-hmm. love God. Mm-hmm. So are there other resources or books that you recommend? Yes, most definitely. So let's start with books because I love books. I love the book Seven, Seven Myths About Singleness mm-hmm. by Sam Elberry. I read it. Okay. I loved it. Actually, a lot of my ideas for this podcast came from there. Mm-hmm. Um, so please check it out. Um, it's, a, it's a short book. It's, a, it's less than 200 pages. Wow, so that is great. short. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Um, then there is A Single Gay Christian by Dr. Gregory Coles. Everything you need to know about what's going to happen in the book is right there, mm-hmm. right? And it's, and it's a really good book. I've also read it. I loved it. Uh, very helpful, formational. There's a book that's just coming out um, mm-hmm. called An Impossible Marriage, How Our Mixed Orientation Marriage Taught Us About Love and the Gospel. It's by mm-hmm. Matt and Lori Krieg. Okay. So these are just kind of three places to look for if you want to just have an idea of having mm-hmm. conversations about a gospel-centered singleness that's rich mm-hmm. and deep and is not shallow or yeah. individual-centered at all. Mm-hmm. This is where you can mm-hmm. probably start to have that conversation. Thank you for the book recommendations. Uh, where else can people find you and what are other things you are involved in that you'd like to plug? Um, you guys can find me online at Instagram at um, Eli underscore Vang. That's kind of what I'm involved with. <laughs> you can find me on, um, yeah, I use just social media for that, really. Uh, sometimes I post up pictures of my chickens. Sometimes I do like deep thoughts. Uh, you'll never know what you get, but it's always family friendly. Sounds good. Thank you. We will have Eli's information and any related resources in our show notes, as well as on our Instagram. So make sure to follow us there at Let's Break Bread Podcast. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and share it with your friends and family. You can screenshot this episode and share with us on Instagram what your takeaways are. Make sure to tag us at Let's Break Bread Podcast.